the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 177 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. And Bryce, especially as a Yankee fan, uh, these past couple weeks have been some dark days in baseball for us. Yanks haven't been winning very much lately. My bets, as usual, have been shit. But today, there was a bright side. I got to see Paul O'Neill's number retired. I don't know. I I wouldn't. I have so much against the Paul O'Neill number retirement. Okay, take your vaccination craziness it's out of the equation here, um, which I'm not saying craziness. I disagree with. What do you yo defend your take? You say vaccination craziness. I yo, mean, speak. I mean, look. Should he be vaccinated? Yes. Should that impact his number being retired? Absolutely not. I also don't opinion. think for a franchise like the Yankees, he did enough. Okay, lead with that. That's fine. You went on the vaccination thing first. Because I knew it's the vaccination you. craziness, which I knew makes that's, you have I knew to be that. an anti-vaxxer. I got my shot well before most people did. I threw the asthma card and got it as soon as I could. Now you that it's two years later, I can craziness. admit that. Got to see Paul O'Neill's number retired, nonetheless. Um, I probably gotta pick your words carefully. I got a, recording. Chase. I got a better view of it probably than most of the Yankee team did because the Yankees had to stay very far away from him because he's not vaccinated. Uh, but great to see Paulie's number retired. Yanks one four two, uh, and my Bavada Sportsbook.com picks generally pretty shitty. The picks I give you every week they don't often hit, but today in a rare occurrence we had a fourteen parlay. The Yankees won. You had you watched me sweat this out. Uh, the Mets were down seven four. They tied it up 7-7, then proceeded to give up a pinch hit home run to go down 8-7, then went up 10-8 on Marcana's uh, home run. Brandon Nemo had another home run. 9-8 on the homer. Then what was they went up 9-8, then Nemo made it 10-8. Yep. Edwin Diaz, who hasn't given up a run in three months, gives up a run, makes it 10-9. Mets win. Giants, we sweated out in extra innings. I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a Rockies fan. Um just because it seems like every, not only does every move not pan out for them, but like the way that Rockies Giants game ended in extra innings, and for context, fly ball to right field, run around second, tags up, Paul on the field is safe, Longo tags him in the cleat, third out, guy gets cut down to third, trying to end the game. That to me is just what being that like, was a poorly managed. Game. That's a microcosm of being a Rockies fan. How many Rocky fans do you know? One. Does he enjoy he or her? They enjoy Michael it? Capitelli does not particularly enjoy it. He loves yelling Rocktober, Rocktober, and I'm like, dude, it has it's been Rocktober like four times in our lives. When I was in Denver, the Rockies games mostly populated by Dodgers fans, and a lot of the fans just they don't they just like they're they're a clear number four in that city. They are below the Nuggets who have the worst local TV rating of any NBA team. Well, especially now, the Lanch, the Lanch just won the cup, right? Did I make that up? Lanch won the cup, yes. Lanch won, yeah. Lanch won the cup. Nuggets have Jokic, who's 
one of, if not the best players in basketball. He's reigning back-to-back MVP. Um, and then the Broncos just traded for Russ. So I get it. They went from Tebow to Peyton. Lean years. But football, I mean. Football, it's a storied be, franchise. Football's going to be won in every town. Denver's a sneaky good sports city, other than the Rockies. Well, the Rockies are really bad. They got an MLS team? I don't know. I do have a few complaints from the day, though, from Paul O'Neill Day. And a lot of this has nothing to do with the Yankees, obviously. Uh, so I'm going to complain to the New Jersey traffic control. Uh, George Washington Bridge coming in. You had three lanes closed on the upper level. You had one lane closed on the bottom. It was a nightmare. We left my house in Exodus County, New Jersey. I live 26 miles from Yankee Stadium. We left at 10.30. We didn't get off the exit of Yankee Stadium until 12.30. What did you check? The traffic report? No. Well, I mean... There's no other way to get really to the GW, though. The Lincoln Tunnel, by the time you get into the city, cut across and hop on the FDR, is the same amount of time anyway. I'm just saying you got to check the traffic report. If you're going to complain of the tra- traffic controlling. Well, I'm complaining more that they complained the lanes to do construction today. I think it was a bad morning to do construction with the highest attended Yankee game, I think, of the season. It was so packed for Paulie. Um, and I felt bad for my father. My father, who was alive and was a Yankee season ticket holder through the lean years when we first got Paulie and then through the dynasty, uh, he didn't get to watch Paulie's number retirement ceremony. Fortunately, he dropped me and my brother off so that we could at least experience it. Um, but Yankees, just just do better. But my main do-better complaint. That's a boss parenting move by your dad. Oh, yeah. He gets it. Your dad deserves it. You should compliment your dad. Man. I did already. I mean, he his exact words were, look, you know what? There's no reason we should all suffer. You guys make it inside. Um, so thank you, Mike, for that. Thank you for also sitting through, I don't even know how many hours of traffic. I hope you got home quickly. I haven't spoken to you since. My other complaint, and this is typical when get, people talk about the corporate aspect of the New York Yankees. So you and I have done the standing room only section before many times. And the best view in the house that they literally built just for this is on top in center field, yep. above what's called the batter's eye. Naturally, that would be if somebody is having their number retired and the ceremony is split between home plate and the pitcher's mound, the best place to watch, correct? All, everything I'm saying is making sense so far? They were home, behind home yeah, plate. Yeah, behind home plate would probably be my But point. I'm saying if you don't have tickets, if you bought the standing room section for that, that's the best place to get it. Yeah, okay. We bought standing room tickets for today. And they fucking had it closed for a corporate event. It's the most typical Yankee move of all time. Well, I don't think the Yankees really... I mean, they, they close it off for a private event. I feel like you're, a lot of your complaints today are very selfish. And not taking a look at the big picture. That, that's fine. I, I, I was one of... I don't know how many fans, though, who couldn't see Pauly because you closed it out for a private event. Just do a different private event day. Tell them, no, it's Paul O'Neill Day. We're going to have thousands and thousands of people here. They would tell you to go buy and buy a more expensive ticket. Well, they can go. That's fuck the Yankees' response. Well, they can go fuck themselves. They have enough of my money. Uh, all that said, good baseball day all around. We will do our Bavada picks of the week for tomorrow. We're recording this on a Sunday night, uh, so I think this Yankee game is going to get washed out. But the Yankees, uh, quite the gauntlet. Manoa today got Degrom and Scherzer coming to the Bronx the next two days. Uh, tomorrow, Subway Series at Yankee Stadium. Domingo Herman on the bump for the Yanks. Scherzer for the Mets. Minus one and a half, plus one hundred, minus one seventy-two for the Mets. Plus one and a half, minus one twenty, plus one forty-four for the Yankees. Uh, Domingo Herman, the last game he pitched against the Yankees, got shelled. I think Scherzer will pitch well 
but maybe give up a run or two. So I'm going to go with the over of seven, minus 120, mostly because I don't want to pick against the Yankees. I would probably take the Scherzer strikeout over, whatever that's probably eight and a half. We could look that up. Right now, it is not on the board because of lineups. But, yeah, I figure it's pretty consistently been like in that eight, seven and a half, eight and a half range. That's a good point. I would just take Scherzer over, over Case. Uh, next game, we will pick a lot of games not on the board yet. Let's go Brewers and Dodgers, two lefties. Uh, Eric Lauer on the mound for the Brewers, plus one and a half, plus 100, plus 205 for the Brewers. Minus one and a half, minus 120, minus 250 for Julio Urias and the Dodgers. I'm going to go minus one and a half, minus 120 Dodgers here for my second pick of the week. Dodgers have looked like an absolute juggernaut. Best team in baseball. Hell, Joey Gallo's hitting triples and throwing guys out for them. Yeah, I, there's no reason to ever pick against the Dodgers. Like, the way they're going, they just take them. And I think ultimately, I mean, you talk about the rich getting richer. Dustin May, in his first start off the injured list, uh, five innings, no runs, one hit, nine Ks, 13 whiff, retired the final 13 batters that he faced. This team already was, I think, in my opinion, the pick to win the whole thing. You give him, they give you give them the redheaded version of Jacob Degrom, and now all of a sudden, even without Kershaw, do you feel great going some combination of Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson, Urias, Dustin May? Probably not. But could you do a whole of a lot worse with that offense? Absolutely. I mean, there's it's them and the. Well, I think Bavada and it's postseason. got Astros as the favorites right now, just because the pass easier to get there. And it's postseason here. Yes, uh, I'll check on that right now. But continue your point. I mean, their toughest competition is probably going to be the Mets. The Mets matchup. Dodgers plus 300, Astros plus 360, Yanks plus 450. See, that value isn't there. Mets plus 550 is great value. That's better value. I... Yeah. But I still like the Cardinals at plus 3,000. Cardinals are plus 3,000 the way they're playing. Um, is not a bad play at all. And, and they're going to get some big love in our, our players of the week, one in particular. Let's go to the standings. The Yankees' lead is... Down to eight in the division. Tampa and Toronto tie for eight games back. Baltimore 11 back, three back in the wild card. Red Sox 16-61, 13.5 in the division. Uh, so I have in our tweets of the week section, Yankees stink. Uh, and I will just state those now. So going into Sunday over their last 11 games, the Yankees scored 21 runs while batting 178. Prior to that, the last time the Yankees had so few runs while having such a low batting average for an 11-game span was May 1914. The Yankees have lost six straight series for the first time since August 10th to 28, 1995. They were 23-6-5 in their last in their first 34 games before the skid. This is not good. They're like they're they're just been a very they've been a very bad baseball team. Scoring four runs today, it's felt like we scored 40 runs. Well, the broadcast team said it well whenever Cole started. It's four runs is bad. A pitcher should have given up four runs in an inning. But four runs should not be a death sentence for a team, and that's what it felt like. Ben Attendee today came up huge with the two-run homer. You know, the frustrating thing is, one, you see Jordan Montgomery succeeding, which is not the reason this team has been so terrible. They just they haven't hit at all. It's the I mean, at one point it was 19 runs in a 10-game span. Uh, for context, the Astros scored 21 runs in a game this week. Against the White Sox. That was one game. The main issue, and even with Montgomery, just to take it a step further, I just want to put this out there because I've said this to many of our Yankee fan friends. Jordan Montgomery's rotation spot was taken by Domingo Herman. Herman, since the trade, our personal opinions of Herman aside, you know, us like him, has given up one or two runs in every single start that he's pitched in. The problem has been Frankie Montas, who we traded at the deadline, has been terrible. 
But regardless of whether or not we traded Montgomery, the, the Montas was going to be there. Yeah, the team the just, offense just hasn't hit. The team just hasn't hit at all. You know, hopefully has Waldo Cabrera. Judge Florio. hasn't homered in nine games. I don't now. think Judge has gotten a hit in the last four or five games. Judge had a couple hits yesterday. Did he? Yeah. All right, so a couple hits yesterday, but Judge is on a bit of a cold streak. And look, there's a lot of guys I like. You know, Stan is coming back around the corner, which hopefully will be a huge boost to this lineup. You hit Ben Attendee one. Hopefully he starts hitting after today. Two for four with a double homer. That's the launching point. You have him one, DJ five. Uh, to me, one of the guys who starts has to start hitting. I love Anthony Rizzo. The power has been great. No matter how you slice it, though, he's hitting 222 and he's been your three hitter most of the year. That can't happen. Okay, I mean, the, he's a bullpen he's is a also power. That's what baseball is. He's a he's a homers or bus guy. Now. The bullpen's also a bit of a disaster. The right bullpen now. hasn't been good. And they have. I mean, Stan coming back fixes. I actually think it fixes a lot of the problems. Who, if the season ended today, is the Bavada favorite to get the ball in the ninth inning come playoffs for the Yankees? Chapman. And what does that say? The last time we gave the last time we gave Chapman the ball this week, he came in against the Rays, walks the bases loaded with the cookie cutter runner, strikes out two, and then gives up a bases clearing double. I think if the season ends now, this is going to sound crazy, strictly based on production, and it will never happen. Ron from Tom's River, Ron. Marciano should be the closer. No, it's Chapman. Chapman, they get Chapman. It's going to be Chapman. Then we're screwed. It's going to be another early postseason for the Yankees. AL Central Guardians one and a half up on the Twins. White Sox two and a half back. Three games above five hundred. Royals Tigers running out of the division. There. This is going to be a fun one down the stretch because I think all three of these teams are fairly evenly matched. Guardians I, just feel like they got the, the juju on their side until they're eliminated. I'm going to think it's the White Sox. No, that's reasonable. Even though Larusa walked another guy intentionally on a one-two count this week for the third time this year, he's he's going off the numbers. He's a wild man. AOS uh, Astros seventy-eight and forty-five, eleven and a half up on Seattle. Rangers, Angels, Oakland rounding out the division there. Looking at the AL wild card standings, you have the Rays, Blue Jays, Mariners in that order. Twins two and a half back. Orioles three back. White Sox three and a half back. And you know what? The Red Sox are five and a half back. Don't sleep on the Red Sox quite yet. Eric Hosmer and Tommy Fan have been hitting the shit out of the ball since they went to Boston. And it just seems like one of those teams, no one else in the American League put the nail in the coffin. You let a team led by Alex Cora stick around, I think they can make some noise. I just think they have to jump too many teams. I agree with you. Their game tonight is huge. I Ultimately, yeah, they're playing Baltimore in the Little League World Series Classic right now. Um, I, I just, the more I watch his Twins team play, especially with Tyler Maley on the injured list, I think that AL Central is either going to be the White Sox or the Guardians. I told you, I'm, I'm White Sox until it's over. Guardians just got some swagger right now. Mets, NLE 79-44, four up on the Braves. Phillies, 12 back, 66-55. Nats, or Marlins and the Nats rounding out the division there. I mean, huge week for the Mets. A couple wins against the Braves, a big comeback win against the Phillies today. Cardinals really starting to run away with the Central. Five up uh, over the Brewers. They're on a seven-game. Is it a low-key seven-game win streak? Low-key. Eight and two in their last ten seven-game winning streak. Does that count today? Cub, yes. Cubs, Reds, Pirates riding out of the division there. Look, we said it last week. You know, both teams have good pitching, but the Brewers pitching has been the A-plus that it was last year. Um, and at the end of the day, the Cardinals have the best hitter in the National League. Arenado may be the best overall player in the National League when you factor he might be the second best hitter in the National when League. you don't factor in defense or when you do factor in defense excuse me Pools is hitting like it's 2005 all over again uh, when, as a bit as no not quite in the second half he has is he been that good you don't want to pull up his second half numbers I mean again not to get too far ahead of ourselves for the player of the week 
Albert Pujols is number one, but Pujols in the second half, they naturally don't have this on MLB.com. Let's try baseball. They don't. You're going to have to do game. It's going to be. No, baseball reference does it like pretty uh, pretty broken down for us. 2022 splits on Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols in the second half of the season is hitting 438 with a 491 on base percentage, and, or 438 OBP, 491 slugging, seven home runs, 17 RBIs in 17 games. That's 2005 Pujols. Seven homers in 17. Ribbies in 17. Eight, games. 12 starts. Yeah, I mean, even the full season numbers now, all of a sudden. There's two, up to 272. 269 average, 145 OPS plus, 858 OPS. Pools is leading the charge. Him, Yadi, and uh, Wayno might want to go out with one more ring. NLS, not much to talk about here. No, never. The, Dodgers, 84 and 36, 18 up on the Padres. Giants below 500 now, 60 and 61. D-backed Rockies riding out of the division there. NL wildcard. Is the NL wildcard even going to be exciting? I mean, the Braves. I mean, Braves have a spot locked up. Padres are a half game up on the Phillies. I just like the gap between the Phillies to me. Phillies and the Padres. I'll loop them here. Braves in their own tier versus the Brewers, who are one and a half back, and the Giants are six back. Like Philly, ugly defensively, and we saw today their bullpen is still a mess. But they're getting Bryce Harper back, and to me, they're I, still overwhelmingly better than those other two teams. I think the NL playoff field is relatively set. In my mind, I agree. I, I would even say the order is fairly set. Like the seeding order. The Mets ain't catching the Dodgers. The Cardinals ain't catching the Mets. I mean... Braves Diego, are a tier above the other two wild sit, teams. I mean, it's a race for fifth. What about in the American League? I mean, assuming the Yankees don't completely shit the bed here, I still think they'll be the two seed. My, my, I, mean, I would say... My words to God ears. Houston, the Yankees, the White Sox. I think... I would still bet on the Toronto lineup finishing in fourth. Then Seattle, probably. I assume they have an easier schedule. I actually think if any of these teams get booted this year, it's Tampa Bay. I know, but I still trust that organization more than the Of course. I just think Toronto is hitting their stride. Seattle just seems like they have that good, young, positive energy. I mean, Tampa's 7-3 in the last 10. Yeah, they just, I don't know. They just haven't looked apart this year. But I think that's also because these past couple years, they've just been so dominant. That for them to have come back to earth with like a solid like 91 year seems like it's not that great. League leaders Aaron Judge leading baseball with 98 runs scored. Hits leader Freddie Freeman uh, with 151. Doubles leader is Freddie Freeman with 40. Triples leader Gavin Lux and Ahmed Rosario with 7. Home run leader still Judge with 46. RBI leader two New York Sluggers tied at 102 apiece. Judge Pete Alonzo. Walks leader Juan Soto 108. 39 ahead of Judge. Here's what I'm curious, and I'm going to preface this by saying non-Barry Bonds edition. What is the largest gap between a player to finish first and second in walks? That sounds like a research project for the week. Yeah, we'll do a research project. Can I give you another research project? I tagged all of my baseball stats guys on Twitter Friday, and nobody responded. Jason Stark liked the tweet, but he didn't respond. So I'm hoping he'll respond this week when he's back on. This this past Friday when I was in the Yankee game, Ronnie Ronnie M. came in to pitch. Oh, I saw this one. Has to be, right? Florial Judge and Ron all were, were wearing the number 90 or higher. And I have to think that I that have no the, idea how to do this research. No, that's why we need someone like Jason Stark to do it. But would you agree, at least in theory, you would have to think it was one of, if not the only time, that a team has had three players wearing number 90 or higher on the field at once? Probably. I would say the Bavada odds of that of having happened is maybe once, maybe twice. Only because... A, I don't think teams fully 
A, teams don't give out that many numbers in the 90s, period. I think the Yankees have to give out more because of the retired number situation. But B, how many superstars in the 90s can we count on in baseball history, which Judge is? I think of Judge, I think of Manny, 99. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, 99. Michael not- Strahan was 92, but different sport. What about uh, Wild? Rick Vaughn was 90, 99. Yeah, but they didn't have any other 90s. Are we sure? Pretty sure. Well, maybe that's what we'll watch after this. We're trying to figure out what to watch. We'll do a research project on watching Major League. That's not a bad idea. You ever see Major League 3? I think I've seen it. I don't not think I could actually get through it. Not good. I think it's with the guy from Quantum Leap. Yeah, they didn't have the same cast. So it's like... Strikeout leader in baseball, Eugenio Suarez with 163. Suarez, you know, not a great year for the Mariners, but he's going to probably end up with like 28 homers, 85 rbs. He's fine. That's what you expect. Getting him and Winker was a good trade. John Birdie, 30 steals, only player in baseball with that. Goldschmidt, 340 average. Joe uh, OBP, Goldschmidt, 422. Slugging, Judge, 652. OPS, Goldschmidt, 1.058. I asked this before, but I wanted to talk about it on air. So last year was the year that, you know, Joey Votto went from, like, perennial all-star to, like, Hall of Famer Joey Votto that we started talking about more. This year, I think Paul Goldschmidt has made that similar leap. You know, we're looking at a guy that, assuming he keeps his pace up and wins his first MVP, seven-time all-star, couple gold gloves, has stolen a bunch of bags, perennial playoff guy on playoff teams, and will now have an MVP. You know, we'll really start talking about potential Hall of Famer Paul Goldschmidt. Who do you think in 2023 is that guy? I was thinking, like, I, it's it's like you need to think of a borderline guy who could just pop, like, or a guy who's sort of flown under the radar almost. I mean, like I'm telling you, there, I who are you thinking? I I would I, I want us to talk through it, and I was hoping I would just come up with somebody. Like to be a Longoria, if he has another Renaissance season. Somebody tweeted that the other day, like another two solid Longo years. Uh, but I, I think he might be over the hill. Scott Rowland needs to get in for Longo to have a chance. That's the comp there. I mean, go it's like how Edgar is held bottom. Like, is Giancarlo a Hall of Famer? It's like he's rejected to do it, or like would Giancarlo be an option here? No, only because I think, still think, despite the injuries, we're all of the mindset that he's eventually going to hit 500 home runs and get in. It's an interesting question. We could sit on it. I'm, I'm thinking, are there any pitchers? that Like, are what if Corey up? Seager wins the MVP in Texas? He's a guy, honestly, I think a guy that if, I think we said this last week, I'm actually going to go with one of Goldschmidt's teammates. If Wainwright comes back, wins another 14, 15 games next year, and pitches like he has the past two years... He enters the Hall of Fame discussion. I think he's already in the discussion. I, I think people are going to vote. For I him. think he becomes then a guy who's going to get votes and linger on the ballot. Like remember and, that Mark Burley sticks around the ballot. Wainwright sticking around the ballot. All right, that's our answer. Wainwright wins leaders. Tony. I Dodds. like my answer better. I'm going with Seager. I don't know if the rest of his numbers are there yet, though. Well, that's why this is his. I mean, Goldschmidt is going to win the MVP. Arenado, I already consider a Hall of Famer. Arenado in. I have Machado in. Harper in. All right, we'll, we'll come up with a, a full answer next week. Wins leaders, Tony Gonsolin, Verlander, Kyle Wright with 15 apiece. They have as many wins this year each as the Pirates' entire pitching rotation does. Pirates do not have 15 wins combined from starting pitchers this year. That's crazy. Losses leader, uh, Patrick Corbin with 17. We will be tracking. Will Patrick Corbin lose 20 games this year? Yes. Um, 
My gut says yes. Bovada has that at minus two something. Two thousand or two hundred? Yeah. It's <laughs> dealer's call. ERA leader Justin Verlander with one nine five. Uh, Sandy, rough start today, down to two nineteen, making the Cy Young race a little bit more interesting. Gonsolin passed him in ERA. Point game leader still three with Sandy. Saves leader Josh Hader and Taylor Rogers. Two guys traded for each other. Twenty nine saves beats. Uh, innings pitch leader Sandy with one hundred seventy six and two thirds. Strikeout leader Garrett Cole leading baseball now, 189. Silver lining on what's been a pretty mess season, I guess. Uh, whip leader Gonsolin, 0.86. Average against Gonsolin, 169. Why would you say Gonsolin's not? Gonsolin would win the NL Triple Crown right now. Yeah, no, God, Sandy blew it. I think Sandy blew it. <laughs> uh, he's got the Triple Crown. That's no, t- with no strikeouts. Yeah, but. Uh, but whip, ERA. If you lead the league in wins, ERA, whip, he'll strike out like 150 guys. And be the anchor for a Dodgers team that lost Kershaw and Bueller. That sounds like the Cy Young. I know Sandy's got a great narrative as well. And, uh, Jesus Christ, a 53-inning lead. but <laughs> Didn't help Wheeler last Didn't year. Didn't help Wheeler. You're right. You're right. All right, let's talk about Albert, player of the week. Um, it started on Thursday. He had a 690th career home run. Uh, it was his 16th career Grand Slam, which tied him for 10th all-time. The 374-foot shot was a pinch-hit Grand Slam, the first pinch-hit Grand Slam of his career. Uh, Adam Wainwright at 40 through seven scoreless innings and allowed three hits. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, it was the first time in OB history that a 40-year-old player hit a Grand Slam and a 40-year-old player threw at least seven scoreless innings for the same team in the same game. Just from this, Pools was going to be in the Players of the Week, but then Saturday for an encore, I was at a steak dinner. I was a little under the influence, and you texted me what Pujols had done. I didn't get to see it live, unfortunately. But the 42-year-old hit solo home runs in the second and fourth against Mad Bum. Cardinals win 16-7, and Pujols went 4-for-4 all told. Uh, He passed Stan Musial with 6,143 total bases. He is 400-plus behind Hank Aaron, so Pujols will probably finish his career. Not probably. Will finish his career second all-time. He has three multi-homer games a season, the most ever in a season by a player age 42 or older, and he's the first player in MLB history with four hits and two home runs in the same game at age 42 or older. Maybe the home run derby was more than just a blip on a radar, and uh, Pujols just wants to go out with a bang. Well, it just really shows that the league fucked up. That's they the biggest thing. Him. You texted me about this, and they please fucked, elaborate. They fucked him not giving him, like, Mariano and Derek Jeter in a class of their own Hall of Fame-wise. But if Chipper Jones got a league-wide retirement tour, this guy should have gotten him. No, he's, it's not inconceivable. The way he's been hitting, it's not inconceivable. He ends up with 700 homers. It's embarrassing by the league that they didn't give him. Like, hopefully the Cubs and the Reds, like, that division does stuff for him on the way around, on that last lap. And the Angels and Dodgers, if you made it out there. But shame on you, Major League Baseball. The machine deserved better. Totally with you there. Totally with you there. Machine is just tuning up. Should be a fun September in the chase for 700 home runs. One seemed insane, but eight more with a month and a half. We've seen crazier shit happen. And, like, they are they're pulling away from the Brewers to the point where they can... If that is something Albert wants... Well, I think at this point, Poole's the way he's hitting. He's playing every day against lefties. That's his job. He's doing very... He's, he's, he's performing an A-plus performance at his job. Lefty masher. Uh, one of his former teammates, Patrick Sandoval. We hadn't had a Maddox this year. And for those keeping track uh, at home and don't know what a Maddox is, 
Maddox's are popularized by Greg Maddox because he did this so many times. It's a complete game under 100 pitches. It's a completely arbitrary stat. You won't see it on baseball reference or baseball cards, but for baseball nerds like us, it's very cool. Uh, and after his last start against the Twins, saw him walk four batters and allow two runs in five innings. Sandoval turned it in a big way with one of the best. Patrick Sandoval turned it around in a big way against the Tigers in a series opener Friday at Comerica Park. Threw his first career shutout in a one nothing win, so it was a one nothing Maddox. Four hits, struck out nine. Didn't walk a batter for the first time all season, uh, and he only threw 97 pitches, hence the Maddox. It was the first Maddox in Major League Baseball since Ranger Suarez, another favorite of ours, did it on September 25th, 2021. First by an Angels pitcher since Ricky Nolasco accomplished the feat uh, in August 2016. Didn't think we'd get Ricky Nolasco in here. I thought he was done. And it was the first shutout by an Angels pitcher this year. Yep. Second shutout joining uh, Reed Detmer of the Angels this year. Patrick Sandoval I don't think is a household name. But if you're the Angels and going forward you have Otani, hopefully, Detmers, and Sandoval, if you can get Otani to stay, that's a very solid 1-2-3 in the rotation to build around. You still need a lot more. Are you saying Detmers and Sandoval? With Otani. Detmers was sent down. But now he's new Reed Detmers and he's been top prospect Reed Detmers since. I wouldn't feel confident. That's still very It's a good starting point. That's like a 1-4-5. 1-3-4. All right. Well, then you just go sign a 2. They've tried that every Tell year. Tell Kershaw right to go across Los Angeles. Kershaw's never doing that. Let's talk about Chuck Mornin uh, against the Mets. Six and two-thirds scoreless earlier this week. Struck out 12. Uh, today, 11 strikeouts over two runs, uh, a two-run baseball against the Astros. Uh, that was sixth inning. So if you keep a track at home, 23 strikeouts over 12 and two-thirds inning against the Mets and Astros, who Astros may be best offense in baseball behind the Dodgers. Mets at worst, top 10. Yeah. Good week for Morton. More than seventh pitcher to strike out 11-plus hitters in back-to-back games in a pitcher's age 38 season or older. As long as he can keep spinning the curveball, he can, he's going to be, to me, if he wants to be a guy like Wayno, we'll just pitch. I think he's going to retire after this year. If he wants, I mean, yeah, he's good. He does. He knows how to pitch. Zach Gowan, a guy who's kind of flying over the radar. This week, he struck out a career-best 12 and in seven in the third innings against the Giants Thursday in a 5 nothing win. And over his last three starts, 23 and a third scoreless innings. Been great for my fantasy team, been great in reality, and now that I included him, odds of him giving up five runs next start have just shot up. Gallon's always been, he's getting it. That's a good, this is a very good stretch. I mean, for him, it's just been a health thing of late, honestly. And when he's, he's also, been healthy, I mean, he's, been he's great. stuck in, I mean, who's watching Gallon? And good rec specs. And no one's tuning in. It's unfo- it, he's, he's bar- Maybe he's the guy at the deadline. He'll be next year's Luis Castillo. Johnny Cueto. 8-2 scoreless innings against the Guardians Saturday. There was a runner on second, so Cueto was taken out for Liam Hendricks. But alas, 8-2 uh, score, third scoreless, 2 nothing win, White Sox Guardians Saturday. He leads all Major League pitchers with 30 and two-thirds innings thrown in August. Uh, he joined Jamison Tyon as the only AL pitchers to work eight-plus innings in consecutive appearances this year and is the first White Sox hurler, hurler since Mark Burley to throw 10 straight quality starts in a season. Dating back to June 28th, Cueto is 5-1 with a 2.18 ERA. And is it unconceivable that when the all MLB teams come out on the end of the year, Cueto is the tenth man on the second team? Am I going a little too far there? No, I like that theory. Um, he's he's been no because him like, and Framber Valdez, who we're going to mention at the end of the show, have been as automatic as any pitcher in baseball. If he keeps it up, the rest of there have been a lot of solid guys in the NL. I, I have him like six right now in the AL side. It's not that crazy. Who's your one through five? I think it's like Verlander. I think he's I got six, Verlander, Cease, McClanahan, one, two, three. 
I think he's like sixth in the ERA. And, and then ever, everybody else is kind of just meh. Like Otani's probably still at a better Otani four. And I think, was it one of the Houston guys? Fromber. I'd go Fromber five. All right. I just believe it. Tristan McKenzie, second pitcher in baseball this year to reach 14 strikeouts in a game. No walk, seven innings, and a 5-2 win against the White Sox. This year is the only pitcher in baseball with two 12-plus strikeout games with no walks. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is so skinny. He's like Chris Sale that I think if we blew a gust of wind at him, he'd fall over. But he's a really good pitcher. That's probably more important. All Cleveland does is they just kept, kept developing pitchers for the better part of a decade. It wor- I, It's a winning formula. It, they've been good. I, I think I still like Chicago more because this Cueto thing is huge. If, if they could get anything, and I do mean anything, out of Lucas Giolito, then they're a different team. Lance Lynn, I think, has turned the corner. Cease has been great. Although, was there a more underwhelming game this year than Dylan Cease Verlander just being eh? Yeah, I forgot where I was for that one. It was just eh. Neither guy was very good. Neither guy got the win. Maybe it was at my boxing class. Josh Donaldson. Yankees only won two games this week, but Donaldson delivered one of them Wednesday. Walk-off Grand Slam against the Rays. 8-7 Yankee win. He joined Babe Ruth and Giambi as the only Yankees with walk-off Grand Slams. Um, now I got three teams I want to highlight. Three offenses, because uh, these were all crazy. One, the Guardians in an 8-4 win over the Tigers on Wednesday. It was the first time in the expansion era that a team scored six or more runs in an inning after striking out three times. Owen Miller struck out to start the inning. Andre Semena struck out on a foul tip. Uh, Luke Maley went down swinging, but he re- realized the ball escaped the catcher, uh, allowed him to reach first base. Three strikeouts, two outs, uh, and then it went single, ground rule double, single, double, double, intentionally walked, single by Miller, who had started the frame with the strikeout, six runs before the third out was made again. You know how I told you the microcosm of being a Rockies fan? This is that for a Tigers fan. It sucks being a Tigers fan. Just brutal. But unlike the Rockies, Detroit sports are pretty bad across the board. Correct. Uh, Astros hit blackjack this week. Alex Bregman went four for six, four runs scored, two doubles, two homers, career high six RBIs, and a 21-5 pounding of the White Sox Thursday at guaranteed rate field. Chaz McCormick had five RBIs as well. They combined for 11 total. Club record, 25 hits, 21 runs with the second most in franchise history. Uh, and Kyle Tucker and Christian Vasquez both went four for six. They had three players have four hits and two players with five-plus RBIs. I guess that's how you score 21 runs. Either way, it's certainly how you land up in here. They're way. I, they're so much better than the Yankees right now. It's very sad, but I'm not going to put up any kind of an argument. Uh, the Orioles in a 15-10 win against the Red Sox Friday. Uh, it was only the fourth, fourth, fourth Orioles output in franchise history with five home runs and five doubles. Their first time since 2015 with 11 extra base hits. Uh, Adley Rushman and Anthony Santander fell a triple shy of the cycle each, and they were out hit 19-18, but still scored 15 runs. It's all about scoring runs. And we're going to do a not player of the week, our cold player of the week, Josh Hader. Six runs over his last three outings and one in the third innings of work. Got the blown save in all three of them. And the Padres are going closer by committee now. What an unmitigated disaster this trade has been so far. I mean, they got to get this guy's head right. If it's just, they got to fix something with him because I he's been he's been awful. The real problem is, is you not only have him for this year, you have him for next year, and in arbitration, you're going to have to pay him $16 million. Not not anymore. And it's not like they even have a great closing alternative based on the trades they made. They don't... Uh, they're not going to pay him 16 million. His ERA is about 6. Not great. 
not great if you're a Padres fan. Tough couple weeks as a Padres fan. You talk about emotional highs and lows over the course of a month. Soto's been as advertised, and Machado's been an MVP. And Josh Bell's been good too. Nationals the past Drury's two days against that, his former Drury's team. Sneaky been Drury's been good. Bell's homered against his former team, the Nats, the past two days. But the two biggest guys were Hater and Tat. Well, I guess Soto. But the Hater trade and getting Tatis back were huge. And uh, Tatis is not going to happen for a while. All right, let's talk about the Texas Rangers. Coming into the week, um, if I were to have told you that the Rangers were going to fire both their manager and then two days later remove their team president who had been there for almost 20 years, what would the Bavada odds on that have been? Not that. It's just it's the, Woodward, always... the Woodward may be high, but the John Daniels thing to me came out of nowhere. Yeah, but they're... I mean, they're not doing it. There's something's off with them. They need a change. Let's talk about Woodward. So Monday afternoon, right after we recorded the podcast, actually, Chris Woodward was fired as manager of the Rangers. Third base coach Tony Beasley will take over as an inter capacity for the rest of this year. Um, John Daniels said in the press release, General Manager Chris Young and I had the very dis- difficult task of informing Chris Woodward of our decision today. In his 10 years as Rangers manager, Chris worked tired, tirelessly underwater at times with some difficult circumstances. He's been dedicated and passionate in his efforts to improve the on-field performance of the Rangers, and it is greatly appreciated. He's represented the organization with class and dignity. We have, ex- we have had extensive discussions over the last several weeks. While the team's current performance is certainly a big part of this decision, we are also looking at the future. As the Rangers continue to develop a winning culture, put the pieces together to compete for the postseason year in and year out, we felt the change in leadership was necessary at this time. On behalf of the Texas Rangers organization, we thank Chris and wish him and his family the very best. First thing that's crazy is you let John Daniels make this comment and then fire him two days later. That that's Very like, bizarre. That just seems weird. I don't understand that. Before we talk about Woodward's tenure as the manager, can we both agree? I would say the thing most fans remember him as the most for is going catatonic on Tatis for swinging on a 3-0 count and hitting a grand slam. No? I can't tell yeah. you anything else I, Chris Woodward did. Which is kind of what I thought. Like, he was a very eh Yeah, I mean, look, he's 46 years old. He'd spent about three and a half seasons at the helm in Arlington. Uh, he was hired off the Dodgers coaching staff in the 18-19 to 19 season to replace Jeff Bannister. Um, and again, you know, he was never a manager. This was like one of the classic guys who was like a instructor, made his way up, ran a minor leagues uh, system. Uh, and Texas in his first year was 78-84, which, which was a big improvement. During the strike season, though, 20, the, stri- the, strike, the COVID season, 22-38 and 38 during the shorted campaign. Last year, 60-102, and 102, uh, and a mark back-to-back last place finish. But nonetheless, and this is what I don't get in the – Blue Jays did the same thing with Charlie Montoyo. Montoyo. They signed him to an extension in November. That's always doesn't make – they gave him a one-year extension? One-year extension. Yeah, that didn't really count. All told, uh, the Rangers this offseason, they had a Corey Seager and Simeon for half a billion dollars. Jonathan Gray, four-year, $56 million pack. You know, look, they didn't think they were going to make the leap from 60 wins to a playoff team. But all that said, even though they're on their pace for their best season in three years – 51 and 63, you know, that's still roughly a 90 loss pace over the course of a four schedule, full schedule. At the time he got fired, they were nine and a half games out of the wild card. They were likely not going to be playing meaningful baseball in October. Uh, so Chris Woodward out as manager there. Tony Beasley was replacing him. Uh, he's 55 years old, eighth year with the Rangers. Uh, people were pumped that he's high, was uh, given the chance. His first major league managerial opportunity, third black manager in baseball now, and he's uh, a former minor league skipper in the Pirates and Nationals farm system. I think you just said it best at the outset. Woodward was a weird, not particularly inspiring hire to begin with. I guess you hired him, you know, with the pretense pretense of we have a lot of young guys, we're going to grow with them. And it's, look, you signed Simeon and Seager, which was great, but you and I both said the same thing. These Texas teams offensively have never been that bad. We it's both said that's awesome. But who's going to pitch? John Gray's going to be your ace? 
That was not a good idea. And I know they're building towards the future in that regard with Lighter and... Rocker. Rocker, the former Vanderbilt studs, hopefully coming out together. But, yeah, Chris Woodward, weird hire from the get-go. And, again, I, I think if you're a team in this situation, I think it's why Mike Matheny still has a job, to be honest. You're just looking for steady improvement year over year. The expectations are not necessarily that you're going to make the playoffs. I guess in the Rangers' case, it was a little bit more pressure well, because they, of the offseason. They were all in, and now they, they need a win now, guys. But there was so. just no steady presence. So, all that said, who are we sending to Texas? Who do you think is going to be the next manager of the Rangers next year? They need a, they need a win now, guy. So they're going to... I don't think it could be Joe Madden. I don't I think, think Madden's got to take some time off. I think Madden wouldn't go for this opportunity. Maybe like... Is this a team we could send Eric Chavez to? I don't hate that fit, but do you think... So here's my here's a big picture question. Given what it was with Woodward, do you think they hire a first-year manager again? I don't think they'd want to, but I don't think there's like a ton of good options. I like Mike Sosha here. But maybe that, and, I, and maybe I just really like Mike Sosha and want to see him back. I don't think Sosha's going to manage again. I read some quotes. You think he's just content being retired? He likes doing the spots. He's things. got a solid. Like he did the Olympic man. He's got a solid Hall of Fame case as is the silver medal only built it. Yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting job. You know, who I could see taking this job. Brad Osmus. Is that going to be his third or fourth job? Third, but he kind of got squeezed out of Anaheim. He got Rick Renteria. Like they fired. I mean, Osmus just had. I mean, give him a last shot. He's still like forty years. He's still young. Yeah, he's young. He's smart. That's how he got the first two jobs. Send Isaac Gee in there. Why not? What do we got for he's, Osmus? Yeah, he's he's coach now. All right, so he stayed in the game as the A's bench coach. It's not crazy. Like he'd do it again, but that's again, it's not super inspiring. But what does constitute an inspiring managerial hire nowadays? I don't know. Someone like Buck was cool. Dusty was cool. Like Melvin, I think people were pumped about. Do you throw the, the payload at like a Leland or a Bochi? I don't think either of those guys are stepping out for this. Like Clemens? I'm just thinking of guys who have been there. Clemens. Well, no. Actually, I take it back. The best fit for this job, you bring around Washington back. The only thing he battled as manager of the Rangers was personal demons, but this guy is so universally respected. He's overwhelmingly the best manager in franchise history. Still involved with the game as the Braves' third base coach. That, to me, is the clear move. It won't happen. I don't know if Wash would take the job, but if I'm Rangers' ownership, if Wash wants it, if Wash wants it, you give it to him. I'm going back to Wash. So Woodward getting fired was not that much of a surprise, but the John Daniels move, just because of the timing, kind of came out of nowhere, in my opinion. Um, he was a longtime president of baseball operations, uh, general manager Chris Young, who himself was hired a year or two ago out of the commissioner's office, will now oversee all baseball operations decision and processes. Um, their owner, Ray Davis, said this morning I informed John Daniels that his contract would not be renewed at the end of the season and that he's being relieved of his duties effective immediately. John's accomplishments in his 17 years running our baseball ops department have been numerous. He and his staff put together the best teams in franchise history that resulted in five playoff appearances and two AL pennants between 2010 and 2016. His impact on the growth of our player development, scouting, and analytics group have been immense. John has always had the best interest of the Rangers organization in mind on and off the field and in the community. But the bottom line is we have not had a winning record since 2016 and for much of that time have not been competitive in the AL West. Well, I'm certain we are heading in the right direction. Feel change in leadership with the baseball operations division might be beneficial going forward. First thing, this makes the Chris Young GM move that seemed kind of weird Confirmed. make a lot more sense a year or two later. I think it's still weird. Well, I think it makes sense. I think it was Ray Davis hedging, hedging his bets 
that he was going to fire John Daniels. It was let this Chris Young let Chris Young work a year and a half under Daniels, get the ropes, and then we're going to let this guy make his own decisions and run our front office. And Chris Young, I think, is ready to do it. He's universally respected. He's a guy that if he wasn't a GM, I think when Tony Clark's done, could be the head of the Players Association. Um, and Rangers fans, look, they were pumped. I mean, Daniels, yes, overwhelmingly oversaw the best era in Rangers franchise history. Back-to-back World Series 2010-11. to And made some great trades. I mean, Tex to the Braves for Elvis Andres, Naftali Feliz, Sultanamachia, Matt Harrison, great trade. He got Josh Hamilton in a trade. He got Nelson Cruz for a trade. You Darvish, Beltre, Cole Hamels, those were all solid moves. Um, but then, you know, the, the Shinsu Chu year signing was kind of the beginning of towards the end. Seven years, $131 million there. They were still fine. They signed a lot of vets that didn't pan out, like Cashner, Carlos Gomez, Jonathan Lucroy. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, when they traded guys like Darvish and Mike Miner, they didn't get great hauls back. And you look at some of these top prospects they've had the past couple of years. They were all top 100 guys. Uh, Martin Perez has panned out now the second time with them, but Nomar Mazzara, Leoide Tavares, Hans Krush, Willie Calhoun, Chichi Gonzalez. Uh, dating back to 2016, Joe Barlow is the only player reduced, drafted by the Royals to produce even one win above replacement uh, with the Rangers. And ultimately, look, he's the final call on baseball ops. Um, the only guy in baseball, two guys in baseball operations with, window, with leashes so long are Billy Bean and Cashman. Daniels, look, I mean, with him at the helm, um, over 17 years, 497 winning percentage, five playoff appearances, two pennants. Without him over 45 years, no pennants, three playoff appearances, 467 winning percentage. Architect of the best run ever in Rangers history, but I get it. It's time for a change. It's a result-oriented business. All of your notes neglected the biggest thing. They hadn't had a winning season since Prince Fielder was forced to retire. If Prince Fielder was not retired, that 2016 Rangers team is still pretty good. They still had Hamels. Uh, they would have had Prince Fielder. Uh, that was the downfall, and that was an un- you can't plan for that type of medical thing. So I'm going to give him a pass for the whole, oh, the Prince thing blew up, but then everything else sucked. Yep. So, yeah, new era in Texas. Chris Young running the show. New manager up ahead. We'll see what happens. But do you think they could go into this offseason and be as aggressive as they were this year? They almost, they're in. They almost have to. Like once you're in, you don't want to be halfway in. I think as long as Kershaw can physically pitch, and I don't think he'll leave the Dodgers, but you throw him whatever you want. Just get asses and seats at least. You know what I love for this team? That ballpark's really nice. You know what I love for this team if he opts out? Go get Carlos Rodon. Go get a real ace. Rodon would be good. Go get an ace. No, that stadium's beautiful. That Whatever they did down there, the new one, I love it. Another team where the front office has had quite a bit of stability of late is the Braves. Alex Anthopoulos has absolutely crushed it of late. I mean, there's a reason they have, what, the fifth highest Bavada odds to win the World Series when we looked? Yes. And part of it is these crazy extensions they pulled off. I mean, Austin Riley this year, he got a $220 million deal, but had he hit the free agent market, it was a below-market deal. Acuna, the deal ended up being, I think, 10 for 180 once the options are exercised. Ozzy Albies is the single-worst contract in baseball uh, from a player's perspective, 7 for 35. Matt Olson, even him taking, I think it was, what, 8 for one. That Olson contract was fair. 8 for 168. I think he could have gotten a little bit more on the market, though. All which is to say, the Braves have had an incredible ability to get players to sign team-friendly deals. And they did it again this week out of nowhere. Uh, rookie Michael Harris, the second... 
Eight-year, $72 million extension spanning the 2023 to 2030 seasons. There's options for 2031 and 2032 as well. Uh, the Braves... Yeah, these team options on the back. The Braves is a publicly traded team or one of the few teams to publicly disclose the terms of their contracts. who will earn $5 million for 2023 to 2024, 8 from 2025 to 2026, 9 and 27, 10 from 28 to 29, 12 and 30. The 2031 option is valued at $15 million. 2032 is a $20 million, $5 million buyouts. Uh, so all told, that's what, 10 for 107? Yep. And how old is Michael Harris? Not that old. So Michael Harris is going to hit free agency now between like 30 to 32, between, between on these options, depending on how these options go. And Harris, I think at worst, is going to finish second in the National League Rookie of the Year voting. And the only reason he isn't going to do it is because of his teammate Spencer Strider. Uh, he was going to be a free agent either after the 2027 season with that Rookie of the Year finish potentially or after 2028, but will instead forego a trip to the open market in his mid-20s to sign a long-term pack with his hometown team. He's 21 years old. Number 98 overall pick in the 2019 draft. Uh, he was promoted right from the double A to the majors. And 268 plate appearances at the time of extension. 287, 325, 500 slash line. Dozen homers, 14 doubles, two triples, 13 seals, and 13 tries. Defensively very strong. Five defensive runs saved. There's a reason they wanted to keep him long term. Um, and look, this goes both, both ways. Harris, again, he is... Only played a total of 71 games at the major league level. Uh, and he'd only played 43 games in double-A prior to his promotion. Never played a triple-A. As good as he's been in this big league career so far, 3.7% walk rate, 3.45 BABIP. That will likely drop a bit. Um, but the Braves struck again. This is a guy who, again, even if even if you don't keep the options and he just becomes a solid you know, 15-20 homer guy with good defense in center field, that's beyond worth the $8, 9000000 million a year you're paying him. I mean the Yankees, and we gave Hicks us. We gave Hicks like a seven for seventy. Seventy deal. This is a way better deal than that. Yeah. So for context, uh, and credit to Alex Anthopoulos for this, Mike Trout's contract is for four hundred twenty-six point five million. Acuna, Albies, Riley, and Michael Harris combined are four hundred nineteen million. Yeah, the Braves. Are That's doing, how you fucking sustain doing, a run. Yeah, it's like the, really dangerous. Braves are back. They're not going anywhere. And you have to think at this point. Freed's not going anywhere. They'll re-sign him. I guess the rest of the teams have to love this, but the agents, other agents must hate it. Hate it. Like, I can't imagine Boris sending anyone well, to Well, and where this is an interesting one, too, in particular, like Austin Riley got $200 million. He got a bag, no matter how you phrase it. Where this is interesting is Acuna, Albies, and a lot of the other signings were Latin American players. This is an American player from Atlanta. So did he maybe take a hometown discount? Sure. But this changes the narrative a bit. That he's not just picking on foreign players? Well, we're not picking on foreign players, but I think for foreign players who, and again, this is an overstatement, but generally come from poor backgrounds in some of these Latin American countries, obviously millions of dollars is life-changing money no matter what. But for those players in particular, your family never needs to worry for the rest of their lives. You get them out of there. I think it's just a little bit different with American-born players. I have to think on that. It's, a, I, it's fine. I mean, regardless, American, Chinese, Latin American, these contracts are unbelievable for the Braves. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, this, I don't know how this impacts other teams negotiation-wise. A lot of guys are going to just say, oh, well, the Braves did this. And they're going to say, well, they're publicly traded. They ignore them. 
Who are we going to send to the White Sox last week? We were going to send a shortstop. We tried to send Simmons there. We tried to send Simmons there. Well, instead, they didn't sign Simmons, but they signed 33-year-old Elvis Andrews on a one-year contract to replace Tim Anderson. I uh, was out for the next three to five weeks as he continues rehabbing from a torn ligament in his left hand. Uh, Andrews was released by the A's earlier this week. They're going younger. Isn't a premier defender at this stage of his career. Um, but his two- Was he ever? Yeah, he was a gold lover at one point. But, you know, his 237, 301, 377, one slash line um, is narrowly shy of the league average hitter in 2002. It's a huge improvement over Lenin Sosa, who was hitting 118 from them. Um, is he what his peak is? No, but he's got slightly below average offense to the lineup, and uh, the White Sox couldn't do that a few weeks ago. I always liked Elvis Andrews, so I'm just glad to see he's sticking around the bigs. And uh, Elvis Andrews part of a lot of winning teams. We mentioned those Rangers teams. But zero go gloves. Zero go gloves. That's okay. A lot of caught stealings as well. Um, but I think that's a good move for the White Sox. Good veteran with a lot of playoff experiences. You gear up, gear up down the stretch. I, they, there were no great options. Elvis Andrews is an interesting what if when you talk about guys. Not that I think he would have gotten to 3,000 hits. He but just came up young. his 28th season because he came up so young, he had 1,457 hits. It's not impossible. I mean, he was like the shortstop version of Starlin Castro. Castro, I think, came up even younger. Castro did the same exact thing. So Elvis Andrews in Chicago. Let's talk a big what if here for the uh, former New York Yankee. Uh, Delon Batances, 34 years old. He retired. Pitched parts of 10 seasons with the Yankees and Mets. He's been on the Dodgers organization on a minor league deal this year. Um, he moved to the bullpen in 2014 with the Yankees and broke out that year. Over 70 relief appearances, 90 innings, 1-4 ERA that year. 39.6% uh, strikeout rate, 7.7% walk rate. Uh, finished third in the AL Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, and he was an all-star for the next four years. Uh, in a five-year run from 2014 to 18, 374 innings, uh, an average of almost 75 per season, 2-2-1 ERA in that time, 40.4% strikeout rate, 11.3% war, or 11.3 war, which is third amongst all relievers in baseball uh, behind Chapman and Kenley Jansen. Uh, but in 2019, he began the year on the injured list due to a shoulder impingement. Wasn't able to make his season debut until that September. After two-thirds of an inning, he tore his Achilles tendon. That was kind of it at that point. But he'll be most remembered for that five-year run in pinstripe. Uh, he spent a five full seasons striking fear in the hearts of opposing teams and fans everywhere when he stepped to the mound. Also of Yankee fans as well because the walk rate was usually pretty high. Uh, all told, 2-5-3 ERA, 36 saves. 633 strikeouts, 121 holds, and 394 in the third innings. Four-time All-Star um, as well. If Delon Patances had never gotten injured, and he hits free agency 2019, coming off of that five-year stretch from 2014 and 2018, what's the Bavada over-under on a contract with Patances, given that baseball was evolving to the multi-inning reliever, and he was kind of the OG one of that for the Yankees in this era? He'd probably get like four for 65. He was so fucking dominant. I he think he's on. the last, like, depending on your views on Severino, he's like the last pitching prospect I remember really hitting for the Yankees. Just going through in my head right now. Like, yeah, because Monty like hit, but he didn't hit all the way. Monty was just like a solid pitcher. Yeah, I mean, this was a four-time All-Star. And he was never a closer. I think that's a huge point. For you to make four straight all-star teams as a setup, and, guy. As a setup guy, unbelievable dominance. He yeah. was awesome. I like this guy. Good for him. Good Con- career. Congratulations on a great career, Del Batances. 
Somebody we don't want to congratulate. Someone I want to say the opposite to. I, I'll do quick. Marcelo Zuna is an all-time scumbag. All-time scumbag. So earlier this year, for those of you who don't remember, or in the, sorry, earlier last year, May 2021, he was arrested on assault and battery charges. He had a lengthy stay on the administrative list. He was suspended under MLB's Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy. Felony charges were dropped, um, and he ultimately served, I think it was a 30-game suspension. And this week he was arrested and charged with a DUI and failure, failure to maintain lane. Uh, he was in the lineup the day after. And if you're the Braves, I, I know they signed Ozuna. What was Ozuna's contract for, for 64? I don't remember. I'm trying to, well, I'm looking to I'm see. I'm on my own rabbit hole off the side. I'm looking to see real quick when Ozuna's contract expires. Ozuna's contract expires after the 2024 season. Given that he just hasn't produced 20 home runs, he's worth negative 1.4 war. And you're coming off back-to-back years now where he was arrested for domestic abuse last year and then got hit with a DUI uh, last year, DUI this year. At what point are you just cutting him loose and saying, screw it? Now. Bring up a young guy. That farm system's unbelievable. I mean, this guy, I'm all for second chances uh, with domestic abuse, obviously. Uh, it's a very tight rope when it comes to second chances. And you get arrested for a DUI. You're a professional athlete. Call fucking Uber. I, I would say that to anybody. But especially if you're a professional athlete, get a driver or call an Uber. I said my P. He's an all-time scumbag. All-time scumbag. I'm with you there. All right, let's talk injuries this week. A lot of injuries. Uh, Walker Bueller, Dodgers announced Monday he will undergo season-ending surgery on his right elbow on August 23rd. It's been out since June 10th after being diagnosed with a grade 2 flexor strain. Uh, Bueller's recent MRIs weren't conclusive enough to determine the extent of the damage in his elbow. And Dr. Neil Elitrach, big couple weeks for him on the podcast, saw enough to recommend surgery. If you're a Dodgers fan, how much does this concern you? Because the term... Elbow surgery, in air quotations, that's a very vague term for me. That sounds like Tommy John surgery. But they haven't announced it as Tommy John surgery. I think if it's Tommy John, he announced it as Tommy John. Maybe. It sounds like Tommy John. Uh, you're concerned. How concerned could you be? You're on pace to win 112 games. I know, but this was I mean, this was the face of your pitching staff. Everyone else on the pitching staff is 15-1. No, that's true. I hope Bueller comes back kicking alive and well. Uh, Dodgers, Sir Anthony Dominguez going on the injured list, or the, sorry, the Phillies, uh, with tricep soreness, Corey Knable transferred to the 60-day injured list with a tear in his shoulder capsule. He will not return to the club this season. It's just amazing. I mean, Knable was a good move in the offseason. We were like, oh, they're finally signing a real closer. He gets hurt. Dominguez emerges as like a real closer. He gets hurt. And it, it's, I think the Phillies could have signed peak Mariano Rivera and somehow would have gotten fucked up given how their bullpen is. We watched it today. Like Everyone's pumped that Robertson gave up his first two runs as a Philly, and it cost him a win. Yeah, and ultimately, look, I will give Robertson a slight pass because he pitched two innings yesterday, uh, and I think was just gassed. But, yeah, the Phillies, it's just amazing how much this problem is going to linger again. Certain teams have certain spots they just can't fill. Clay Holmes, 15-day injured list due to back spasms. Uh, we saw how much Clay struggled his past couple starts, blew multiple games. I don't think this is a real injury. I think this is a phantom IL stint, but I'm glad they're giving Clay some time off and time to reset mentally. I think the mental reset's the biggest thing for me. He was as big a part as anyone why this team started out at a record pace. And then why they came crashing back down to earth. Yeah, I still, I mean, I'm going to be haunted by those Reds games the rest of the season. We've been talking about bad contracts. The Asmani Grandal extension. Not aging great. He's out 10 to 14 days with inflammation caused by the hyperextension of the knee. He just seems like one of those guys that was good, and then when he got hurt and got bad, he got bad quick. Ryan Howard syndrome. Perfectly stated. Trademark for the podcast. 
Tyler Maley, 15-day injured list, uh, retroactive to August 18th due to right shoulder inflammation. Anthony Bender of the Marlins, relief pitcher, Tommy John surgery. Mets put two players on the injured list. Carlos Carrasco, low-grade strain of the left oblique, three- to four-week injury. He's on the injured list. Eduardo Escobar, 10-day injured list, also with a strain left oblique. Athletics struck down or shut down all-star right-hander Paul Blackburn for the remainder of the season. He's been plagued by discomfort in his pitching hand. Recently saw a specialist regarding inflammation in his right middle finger. Uh, Joey Votto's season is over. Longtime Reds first baseman told reporters he will undergo surgery on a Friday, on Friday, or this past Friday, to fix the torn rotator cuff. And what was his tweet about it? I didn't realize I was hurt. I just thought I sucked. Always good to have a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Famer with a Hall of Fame sense of humor. Uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, congrats to Hall of Famer Jim Cott. Uh, this week he broadcasted the final game of his 40-year career at Yankee Stadium. Congrats. I, I think Jim Cott has weird shit with him, too. Oh, yeah. Well, what did he say earlier? He made, like, a Stables comment earlier. He, said he so- called Nestor Nestor the molester. Yeah, no, I think there's I think a Jim re- Cott I don't know. If, I don't know if this was his call. I think he- Jim Cott, at the end of the day, just falls under the old white guy heading. Yeah. But a guy I've always liked and respected. Congrats on the end of your Hall of Fame career. Uh, shout out to Mets prospect Brett Beatty. Top prospect went deep in his first swing as a big leaguer on Wednesday. Always cool there. I want to talk to you about Rodolfo Castro. If you don't know about him because you don't watch the Pirates, I don't blame you. But he was suspended one game and fined by Major League Baseball on Tuesday after a cell phone flew out of his pocket mid-slide on an August 9th game, prompting an investigation that cleared him of any further wrongdoing. The 23-year-old rookie received his suspension, which he is appealing, for violating the league's policy against bringing unapproved electronic devices onto the field. MLB examined the activity on Castro's phone and found no evidence that it had been used during the game or before the uh, used during the game before the incident. So many people now are saying this whole big thing where it's, oh, that was it. Yeah, not good. We're not even going to repeat what Jen Cott said because it was so bad. Everyone was saying, like, oh, this is now going to open up Pandora's box. People were bringing cell phones on the field, blah, blah, blah. Dude, this is a 23-year-old kid who left the cell phone in his back pocket. He fucked up. Let's just move past it, please. No conspiracy theories. And I hate the Astros as much as you love them. I don't love them. America loves them. No conspiracy theories here. It's just a young kid who made a mistake. And that's that. Yeah, this one was, I mean, this feels like a pretty innocent move. Shout out to Mark DeRosa, the former major leaguer and MLB Network analyst, Team USA manager for the 2023 WBC. U.S. are the defending champions, and the 47-year-old DeRosa, who played for eight teams during 16 16 years in the majors, uh, is being charged with leading the team. Last time when we won the gold medal, was it Leland who managed the team? Jim Leland who managed the team. Uh, I like this hire. Look, DeRosa interacts with all the players on MLB Network. I think he's going to get everybody fired up. And, and I truly do think – I'm surprised he hasn't made the leap into coaching yet. I think he's a guy that, especially after this, as long as it goes well for Team USA, uh, we're looking at another big league manager in the next five years. He would be a fun guy in Texas. But he can't obviously can't do it. I was going to say, did he play for the Rangers? He feels like someone that played for the Rangers. I couldn't agree more. Uh, quick story to tell. Stone Garrett. This is why you don't give up. Uh, the D-backs outfielder had his contract selected from AAA Reno. Uh, he was drafted in the eighth round of the 2014 MLB draft by the Marlins. Uh, and in his major league debut, he had an RBI double and a 3-2 win over the Giants. Uh, drafted in 2014 by the Marlins, spent six years in the minors, was released in 2020 during COVID. Uh, in 2018-19, he got his real estate license, starts the real estate route in 2020. He had joined LinkedIn 
when he got his real estate license because he heard it might be important for uh, business. And two weeks later, there was an old video coordinator from the Gulf Coast League, his first year of pro ball, who reached out and said, glad to see you doing real estate. And he said, yep, thank you. But do you know anyone that needs an outfielder? I still feel like I can compete at double A or above. Uh, there was a former Marlins guy in the front office with the D-backs, Brett West. Two days later, he was at spring training and made the jump to the big leagues. Moral of the story, always keep your LinkedIn up to date. You never know who's going to reach out. Yeah. LinkedIn is a, LinkedIn's a good – It's the social media of adults. Yeah, it's not – you know, it's, I just have it for appearances. All right, tweets of the week. Straight out to the Astros AAA affiliate, the Space Cowboys. Uh, they had a 17-run inning where they sent 23 men to the plate, tallying 10 hits and 9 walks uh, to bring their total to 21 runs on the night. 9 walks is a lot. How fucking demoralizing must that be? I don't know how you give up nine walks in an inning. Um, oh man, I send most of my tweets throughout the show, actually. Uh, here's an Albert Pujols one. Since July 10th, Albert has more home runs than Mookie Betts, Kyle Schwarber, Vlad Jr., and Pete Alonzo. He's the machine. Max Scherzer now has 134 strikeouts and 20 walks in his first 17 starts with the Mets. Only three pitchers have done that uh, over their first 17 games of the club. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Max Scherzer. What a trio. All pitched in the 2019 World Series. It's a good series. After his triple earlier this week, Otani became the second MLB player to debut in 20 or later with 20-plus career triples and 20-plus career wins as a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna. we're going to get a lot of these. He's good. He left with a uh, – he was sick today. He had a stomach bug. Left to start. That's what he said. He wasn't doing well. That's what Chris Martin became the ninth Dodger pitcher to strike out four batters in one inning. The last one was Clayton Kershaw last year. I think he gets comp- uh, confused with the lead singer Coldplay often. Or middling relief pitchers and lead singers of huge rock bands. You don't mix that up too much. Not that one. Okay. Uh, the most wins by an NL pitcher in their first 16 decisions of the season is 1900. Rube Marquardt had uh, 16 in 1920. Roy Face in 1959 had 16. Tony Gonson, 15 this year. I wonder who Baldo is on that We list. put him as, I, don't, I think, he shit at the fan before 15. But he's 15-1, to one, I think. Uh, we'll check. All right, we'll do some research. Uh, Vaughn Grisham, first Braves player in the modern era and the first major leaguer in the last 30 years to score a run in his first six major league games. And last but not least, my favorite Astro, maybe my only Astro that I really like, Framber Valdez has a quality start streak that is now 20 straight games, tied with 1986 Mike Scott, who cheated to get it. Astros love to cheat. For the longest streak in Astros history, um, he's the second pitcher to throw 20 consecutive quality starts while playing in a league that has the DH. This is how we get to end up end the show. One of our other favorite guys on. The other person to do it was Johan Santana in the 2004 Cy Young campaign. Johan was great. Johan was great. But Fromber, really flying under the radar, has become a really good big league pitcher for the Astros. Yeah. In a rotation full of them. That's all I got for this week's podcast. Any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Um... I got my vaccination coming in. Start going to the rumble. The, the people at the Rumble Boxing Gym. That is, until further notice, that's my new hobby. What did they say you needed to work on most? Your jab, cross, uppercut, conditioning. I'll give you a shout out. I don't think you've had a Monster Energy in like five days. It's been five days. It's been five days. It might have felt like five years, but you're doing great. Day three, I was not doing so well. When was that, Friday? Is that when you took a three-hour nap? <laughs> yeah. I like peeked at your door because I was leaving to go to the hangar. I was like, oh, he is unconscious. Well, now you just, it's like a level playing field. Now you know what I go through every day without a copious amount of caffeine in the morning. How's your bowel movement cycle been without it? Better or worse? Uh, I started off real rocky. But now, now we're back to normal. Because yeah. I got to think that was making you shit your brains out, you know? 
those it's with them without it, but that was the norm. I would wake uh, for people that can't listen. There were a couple of days this summer I would wake up at six o'clock, go to the deli, and have a monster before mess. Not healthy. Uh, I'm gonna give some reviews. Uh, things to watch this week though. Subway Series Monday, Tuesday, the Grom and Scherzer Yankee Stadium. I think it's gonna be ugly for the Yankees, but as a baseball fan, watch. It's gonna be awesome. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, if you can see them in concert, would highly recommend. And Zach Brown Band. Yes, double and concert recommendation. Congratulations to my boy Jake. Who was sitting in section 529 with us in the concert? He proposed to his girlfriend of five years. And she you, said, Yes, we can't wait to see you both tie the knot in whenever you decide to I do I heard that. you're the early front runner for best man. I'm putting myself as a dark horse for groomsmen. Go see Red Hot Chili Peppers. Go see Zach Brown Band. Good new Lakers doc on Hulu. We watched the first two episodes. We tried to watch the third one tonight, and they actually wouldn't let us because uh, it isn't airing yet. So watch that. Uh, and my concluding thought will be, what was something good from Paul O'Neill Day today? Uh, good on the Yankees for making the 80s on the 8th, The Warrior by Scandal. That was Paul O'Neill's song. And uh, if you're someone on the Yankees, take inspiration from Paulie. Start smashing some fucking Gatorade uh, coolers in the locker room. Maybe you'll get fired up and we'll go on a winning streak again. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Minorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.